Hello ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a very special edition of the house. Now, if you are in college, you definitely know what time it is. It's final season. And so I figure I would do my part for all of us students and give at least my tips and tricks on how I have started surviving finals. Because uh, there's a lot of struggles with finals. It's so busy, so much is going on, and sometimes it just feels like everything might start consuming you. So, I'm going to give a couple of my thoughts on how I have survived finals and what's going on with me. So, let's get right into it. One more time to the house as always i'm austin sweat i'm your host and i'm here alone today because um i'm talking about finals and you know i'm gearing up myself a lot of my friends are busy because them themselves are working towards this trying to get their all final situated out but i'm going to talk a little bit about my experiences with finals and the best tricks i have personally to survive them and to do as best you can on all your exams one of the first things I have to say, and this is going to sound very silly because it's obvious, is to do your work. Now, obviously I know how blunt that is and how much it's kind of like, oh yeah, obviously I knew to do that. But a lot of times you just don't do it. I've gotten in the habit of waiting until last minute for a lot of things and it's caused me a lot of problems, honestly. And so, you really do need to just calm down first when you get all this stuff and do your work. Because you may get into the habit of, oh, hey, you know what? I'm going to put it off till tomorrow. I'm going to do this tomorrow. But then tomorrow comes around, you say the same thing, and before you know it, you are up to your ankles in just work you have to do. And that's genuinely not a good place to be. So, of course, that's the first thing. I actually do the work. Second is, with doing the work, you need to come up with a, um, the best way to say is a format of how you're doing it. And how I would explain this is a system. So, you need to first rank things on how you're going to do them. Be like, okay, this class, this is due tomorrow, so that's going to be first. This class, that's due Thursday, and so I have a little bit of flexibility there. That's a lot harder, so I'll need to spend more time on it. You know, you're going to rank these in start by ranking them of how quickly it needs to be done because very obviously if something's due tomorrow you need to get it done right away but if something has a little bit of time and it's more difficult appropriately gauge of when you should start it with have the appropriate amount of time to give it the work it deserves um and next is to time your work what i mean by this is you don't need to just go head first into it just knock it all out go 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 because that's just going to make things a whole lot harder something i like to do is i will take my work in segments so let's say for example i will take 25 minutes to do work uh in that 25 minutes i can't get on my phone i can't do anything except work 
barring, of course, emergencies, you know, like if my mom called me, of course, I'd answer that because, you know, uh, <laughs> when mom calls, it's important. But, you know, if she can wait, I'll be like, hey, can you give me a second? I'm in the middle of doing some homework right now and I need to get it done. And so, you know, a lot of times they'll be receptive. And so try as little distractions as possible during that 25 minutes. So once that 25 minutes is up, five minute break. You take five minutes to just kind of calm down, you know, relax, take a break from that. Don't keep working past the 25. Take a second off. I mean, obviously, you know, like if you're writing a sentence, if you're finishing a sentence, you can finish that. But after that, you need to just take a breath and you need to let your brain reset for a second. Because um, it's very hard for the human brain to just focus for such long periods of time. And so by taking these breaks, it's going to help keep you rejuvenated and not as just dead tired because you've been going at it nonstop for three hours. You know what I mean? It's one of those things that I think will very much help. That's always helped me. And so after this five minutes, you go right back into 25. 25 minutes of pure work. You can continue doing what you were doing before, or you will um, need maybe go on to the next thing. It depends on how your list and how you want to do it. Of course, plan beforehand how you're doing your work done. Like, okay, once I reach this point, I'll switch. Or, hey, the first 25 minutes, I'm going to work on class A. And while the second one, I'm going to work on class B. You know, things like that. Plan it out and just follow it as you go. Keep going through the classes and go how it happens. I promise you that um, the 25 minutes are long. Obviously, that is still a pretty good amount of time. But after that next 25 minutes, again, five minutes of break. We're going to do this two more times. So it'll be 25, 25 study, five break, 25 study, five break, 25 study, five break, one more 25 study. And so at this, after this time, you're going to take a 30 minute to an hour break, maybe longer if you need it, because this is the time for you to fully reset your brain because you have been working for a long time here. And so doing this and this reset really just helps, you know, calm down. This is when, like, you could watch, say, watch a couple episodes of, of a comfort show or maybe the new episode of your favorite show came out and you want to watch it. You know, this would be a good time to do that to reset your brain. You know, do a lot. Just take this 30 minutes, hour, whatever you need here to really relax and to not think about the work you're doing. And after that time, go at it again. 25, 5, 25, 5, 25, 5, 25, and then a break. And of course, don't, I wouldn't, don't kill yourself, obviously. Don't, like, just get too much work where you don't know, where, you know, you're just overwhelmed and stressed and you've done so much in a day where you're completely fried. You need to pace yourself on these things and do an appropriate amount. Obviously, get a good amount of work done that you can be proud of and that you feel progress but don't do too much to where it's just going to be a struggle to function the next day i'm bad about that i don't which this goes into the next thing don't stay up incredibly late studying i know how you know the stigma of oh college kid all nighter and stuff i literally last night that was me but here's the problem sometimes 
like for example last night i literally fell asleep on my desk like i fell asleep doing my work and it left me with such a crick in my neck and like just so tired the next day that it just made me much more unproductive the next day and when you could have taken that eight hours to for example uh sleep you are instead going to spend a lot more the next day trying to catch up on that sleep first off and also just relax some because you're so tired that your brain isn't doing the work it needs to do and so definitely just be cautious about that i mean get the appropriate amount of sleep also take care of yourself um one of my friends you know they always tell me when they are going out to eat and stuff so that she can make sure that because i'm i'm bad about you know oh, I keep doing work, I'm not eating, and so, like, I don't eat because I don't think about it. It's not like a thing of, you know, oh, I don't, I'm not hungry, or just saying I'm not hungry so I don't eat for the day or something. It's genuinely a thing, I get so wrapped up in doing the work, I forget about eating, or by the time I finish, I had waited so long that it's so hard to eat. You know, if it's um, 11 o'clock at night, it's obviously going to be a lot harder to go get food than if you just went at 7 and I think that's a big thing. You have to take care of yourself with eating and sleeping. Because obviously if you're not taking proper care of yourself, you're going to do a lot worse in how you perform on the studying and even the exam itself. That said, if you are preparing for exam, something I've, I've always done this since um, childhood, this right here. But, uh, you know, always take one last look at, a, at it before going to sleep because... Apparently, I don't quote me on this. This is not backed by. This is not backed up by me researching this. This is just backed up on what I've done and you know something my mom said when I was little. Uh, looking at, over things before you go to sleep helps you retain them. I can't tell you the truthfulness in that, but I mean it's, it at least helps me some, and so I would recommend that. But you know doing things like this helps a lot. The study technique isn't something that I came up with, the 25-5. That is something I saw online. It's known by several different things. You can look up tomato timer, and that'll give you it. Uh, Pomodoro is, I think, the proper term for it. And it's just something that has helped me a lot with getting work done. Because a lot of times, you know, like I said earlier, you get bullheaded and you just want to go straight into it. Straight into it. Go. Don't relax just got to get it all done at once and when you need to take little intermittent breaks because your brain just doesn't need that strain and stress so it's super important to take those breaks but i mean you know have fun with it too definitely have something planned that can be fun like maybe uh for example something i've been breaking with is art is reading and you know that's kind of counterintuitive because oh isn't reading like well, no, I'm not reading um, a book for class or anything. I'm genuinely reading for personal enjoyment. I've been rereading the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series because that has been one of my favorites since I was a kid. I absolutely love these books. And so, you know, I will spend, like, let's say, what, um, an hour after, like, well, after one of my uh, Pomodoro runs, I'll spend an hour reading one of those and... It's not a book where it's hurting my brain because, oh, I'm having to think about all this. Well, also because I'm rereading it. But, you know, otherwise, it's not one that hurts my brain because it's a whole bunch of thinking. It's just a fun adventure book, you know, with 
a bunch of fantasy, and I have a lot of fun with it. So, I mean, if that's your thing, 100% go for it. Find one of your favorite book series that's comforting or that you enjoy. For me, the Percy Jackson. For a lot of people, it could be Harry Potter. A lot of these different books that are fun, but not, you know, too much. And just read them. Maybe play your favorite video game. Uh, I would spend time also playing Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. It's a newer game that came out, and I've had a ton of fun playing it. I mean... I mean, plus the Lego Star Wars games has just such a special place in my uh, memories because when I was little, I play it so much on the Wii. I played Lego Star Wars, the um, complete saga on the Wii, and I play that game so much. I mean, it was so much fun for me, and I enjoyed every minute of it. But then, um, you know, now they came out with this new version, the Skywalker Saga, where it was... Uh, episodes so if you don't know the um original Lego Star Wars the complete saga it had episodes one two three four five and six because at the time those were all the movies that were released and we didn't hear anything about um seven the force awakens and so it's called the complete saga and you know I enjoyed so much that game since then you know seven eight and nine have come out and so now it's called the Skywalker saga and which is what it's known in film wise but also the Lego Star Wars did this one called the Skywalker Saga, and obviously some of the level it's different for a lot of people, but everyone almost has genuinely enjoyed these games. I feel like some of the levels in the old ones were a little bit better, but the combat and the bosses are so much better in this one. It's just a lot of fun. It's definitely one of those games where you can shut your brain off and have just a blast just messing around, playing, going around the different planets flying in space and all this fun stuff that you know you could think about with star wars and i don't know star that's it's just one of those games that i have had so much fun playing since then and i really hope that i will be able to have a little bit more with it as i go you know definitely when uh this is over uh, all my finals and stuff i will take time to uh play a lot more games and you know take really a big break which that's something too reward yourself when you if you like you say you get a huge chunk of work done you've completely finished a class for example reward yourself go get you some food or something you know or give yourself incentives for doing this thing like oh hey i finished this i'm gonna go get um a coffee all these things can help you so much and i don't and i think it's very much underplayed how much rewarding yourself in these things can do. Because it's just, I think it's a lot of, you know, mental mental problems that work with studying. And, you know, your brain either just like, oh, I don't want to, there's no reason to do this beyond, you know, getting good grades and whatnot. But I think it can very much help having these incentives. And doing what you can. Um, maybe you reward yourself with extra time to do what you're wanting to do. Maybe watch that new movie that came out. Or read extra in your book. Play extra in the video game. Or set a goal. Hey, if I can finish all my work by... And give yourself, obviously, an appropriate amount of time. Like, Don't say, like, in one day. 
but like be like if i can finish my work by the end of this week before finals and be completely free except for the finals you know because you have to go and take them i will reward myself by buying myself this new thing that i've wanted for a little bit i think things like that are great and you know they really help you incentivize the effort to put in they really incentivize putting in that effort and doing what you want to do what you need to do rather I just, I don't know. It's one of those things that I've, I struggle with studying. And so I have to set these goals for myself. Hey, I want this. Like you can look on my phone right now and you would see a ton of just like, I, I'm bad about not deleting notes too, which is funny, but I see like several things throughout different weeks of this year. And even last year, my just like talking about, Oh, Hey, this is first, then this, then this, then this. And just talking, me ordering my work in what order to get it done. And I go through it and crack down and get everything done. But, you know, it's just, finals is one of those super busy seasons that um, I can't help but feel the stress of myself. And so I know a lot of other people feel that stress with it. And, you know, I've been doing the best I can, and you got to do the best you can. And at the end of the day, that's what matters if you give it your maximum effort. Because if you don't give that maximum effort, then obviously, you know, you could you feel bad about your results. You know, oh, I could have done better here. But if you truly gave your best shot, and say, for example, it didn't turn out in your favor, then that's okay. Because I had a teacher who... Um, I had his class, and he would always say this for every test. He would always say, this is a test. This is one test. This does not define who you are as a person. He even said it before our final. Like, I mean, that was just so crazy to hear that because, you know, not in the sense of like, oh, I can't believe that's true. In the sense of like, I never think about that. We think of tests as such important things, and they are. It is very important to do your best to get a grade. But it's but what it is at the end of the day, it's just an example of it's just a thing of how good you can do on that day, on that subject, at that particular time. Because of course there can be a lot of factors that hurt you. Let's say, for example, you um or have just had such a bad night the last night before you got sick and were up all night throwing up obviously you won't perform as well on that test and so that's why it's also a example of how we can do at that moment because if you're sick it's gonna be a lot harder to do that test and i think it's just very important to remember that it's not who you are one bad grade even if it's your final isn't going to be the end all of who you are you are worth more than a single bad grade. And that's something that, you know, I've had to tell myself a lot because I've had a couple struggles with certain grades and certain tests and I had a lot of trouble, but you know, those words really helped me that this is just not this is just a test and not an example of who you are. So, if you're going to take away anything from at least my tips for your final take that away. That this is an example of who you are is just one test grade, judging how well you can do on the subject at this particular time on this day. But anyway, that's all the study tips I have for finals. You know, do your work, take it in stride, plan it, and 
let yourself have some breaks. Maybe give yourself some incentives. I think those are very important. But now, as I mentioned before, I have recently reread the Percy Jackson series. Uh, it made it my thing for studying vinyls. It was my little break. And I ended up going through the entire series, which is five books, each one being about 300 to 400 pages. I ended up reading all of it within about three days because I zoomed through it, and it's just one of my favorite book series. So I kind of wanted to talk about it, for example. I'm going to start by pitching it to you if you have not read it. So, um, you know, obviously, because I will talk a little bit about spoilers later, but I'll warn before I get there. And so if you have read it, you can listen all the way through. If you haven't and I pique your interest, I would highly recommend uh, stopping here, coming back later after you have read it. Because it's such a wonderful series, and it's given me a lot of joy. And just, I had so much fun reading it, rereading it, and there's so much fun to be had. So I want to start by just kind of giving you the basically what it's about. So Percy Jackson is, for all intents and purposes, a troubled kid. He has been kicked out of every school he's ever attended. Um, he has ADHD and dyslexia, and it's just a lot of problems. So, the this book starts the first book at least. It starts in the um, when he is on a field trip for his school. At this time, he is 12 years old, and um, he is going with his Latin teacher and his uh, math teacher. And so his, he loves his Latin teacher. Uh, Mr. Brunner is one of his favorite, absolute favorite people who he has ever had taught him because um, his class is interesting and he actually genuinely cares about Percy and Percy can feel that. But he um, goes on this field trip and on there he just, you know, his typical stuff's happening. Him and his gr- friend Grover are getting pick, getting annoyed by uh a very loudmouth, annoying, mean bully. And so they're, you know, taking it normal because if Percy has another fence, they said that he's going to get expelled from the school. So he's, you know, doing, trying to do his best to ignore it. And at some point in the field trip, she got so much on his nerves, he just, he like stood up in anger. He was about to do something, but he kind of stopped himself. But she ended up on the floor, on the ground in front of him all wet when he was sitting on the fountain so it's kind of like that's weird and the mean old math teacher was like percy jackson come with me and you know he followed her and she kind of took him to the museum which was odd to him and she ended up turning into a monster there and attacking him to which the um latin teacher threw percy a pen which percy opened and it turns into a sword and he kills her she turns into dust in front of him as he swung through her and he doesn't know what happened. He uh, caps the pen and doesn't know what's going on. When he goes outside, not one person has any memory of who she is. They're like, oh, we never had her. That's not a teacher who was ever taught here. A person doesn't know what to do. Well, come to find out, he is a demigod. He's a half-blood. They're called half-bloods. His uh, mom is a human, and his birth dad was a one of the Greek pantheon of gods. Uh, I think it's it's pretty obvious from the beginning that Percy's dad is Poseidon, uh, one of the big three, the god of the sea. And so Percy ends up having to make his way to Camp Half-Blood, 
which is the camp where other children of God train because their blood attracts monsters. Turns out, in this book, all of the um, things from Greek myths are true, and Percy is the blood and smell of attracting monsters, especially potent, his dad being one of the most major gods there are in this. And so Percy has to go to Camp Haplet, train to, um, you know, survive in these conditions. But along the way, um, just things are going crazy, and he has to deal with all this insane stuff that he thought was just myths. Um, I just, it's kind of hard talking without spoiling because there's so much that I want to touch on. But uh, I can read the, at least the, the synopsis of the book from the back. So if you were to pick up the book and read the back, this is what you would see. Percy Jackson is about to be kicked out of boarding school again. And that's the least of his troubles. Lately, mythological monsters and the gods of Mount Olympus seem to be walking straight out of the pages of Percy's Greek mythology textbook and into his life. And worse, he's angered a few of them. Zeus's master bolt... Zeus's master lightning bolt has been stolen, and Percy is the prime suspect. Now, Percy and his friends have just ten days to find and return Zeus's stolen property and bring peace to a warring Mount Olympus. But to succeed in his quest, Percy will have to do more than just catch the true thief. He must come to, to terms with his father who abandoned him, solve the riddle of the Oracle, which warns him of a betrayal by a friend, and unravel a treachery more powerful than the gods themselves. So what you hear from here is like, Oh, hey, it's believed Percy stole the Zeus's lightning bolt. But the thing is, you know, the book is told from Percy's perspective. And we and he has no clue, like, what it's talking about. He's like, I, I literally just learned that I am this. How would I have stolen this? And so it's a big mystery at the end. Who stole it? What's going on? And, like, what are the true intentions? And he's going on a quest with two friends, with, uh, you know, two people to, um, figure this out uh his friend grover who as it turns out he isn't a half-blood but he's actually a satyr which if you don't know greek mythology greek myth he is a half goat half human uh and then a girl he meets at camp who goes with him named annabeth who is the daughter of athena so these three have to go on this quest to uh find zeus's bolt return it and all this and there's just so much that happens and it's so enjoyable to read uh, the way Percy tells it is a lot of fun. Um, you know, it definitely does feel like it. It definitely does feel like it's a kid who is, you know, telling the story. Because at this time he's 12 years old, and there's so much going on. One of my and one of my favorite things about uh, uh, the author, by the way, is Rick Riordan. And one of my favorite things with him and these books are the chapter titles. Um, the first I told you about how he fights the, his algebra teacher. The chapter one is called, I accidentally vaporized my pre-algebra teacher. Um, next, three old ladies knit the sock of death. Like, all these silly titles that are so funny. And, you know, I think it really does a lot of good for the book. And it keeps a very humorous tone throughout. You know, Percy's witty, sarcastic, and it's a lot of fun to hear his... Because in all sense of purpose, he's similar to us, and he's very new to all this. He doesn't know all the stuff in it, and he's figuring it out himself. So it very much gives us a lens to view it like we know. But um, I'm going into spoilers here. I want to talk, again, spoilers, about how much of a beast Percy is. So, um, one more time, I just want to make sure, massive soily spoilers. 
So, at one point, he is on these... I want to start with, I guess, his first feat. So, when he is going to Camp Half-Blood, he, um... He's running with his mom, and there, there's something's after them. And him, Grover, and his mom are running to Camp Half-Blood, running away. And on the way there, the Minotaur, the one from, uh, you know, Greek mythology, the Labyrinth, if you know what I'm talking about, he ends up intercepting them. And Percy ends up fighting it. It, it ends up seemingly killing his mom. She survives, uh, obviously. Uh, but Percy ends up fighting it and taking it down with his bare hands. He doesn't have a weapon at this point. He gave because he gave the pen sword back to Mr. Brunner. So he's completely armed, disarmed here. He doesn't have anything. And he ends up when the uh, Minotaur breaks off a horn. Percy uses that to kill it, and he defeats one of the just most well-known mythological creatures with his bare hands. And, like, even in camp, everyone's like, it's not, like, a small thing. Everyone is like, holy crap, that's incredible. Um, later in the story, uh, he is fighting a chimera on the St. Louis Arch, to which he, um, he, he realizes he's completely outclassed here and he can't beat it. And so he jumps off the arch jumps off the arch into the water below and survives like it's basically unscathed which um the arch is about uh i think the st louis arch is 630 feet tall obviously he wouldn't be at the very top of it but that's still a crazy fall that would kill most people later in the story he duels Ares. keep in mind he is 12 years old and he duels the god of war and comes out on top like this 12 year old boy beat the god of war in a fight granted they were fighting to first blood but that said you know it's still such an incredible feat and i just rereading it i forgot how much of a beast he was in later books like i mean let's look at uh book three you know the myth of atlas the titan who holds the sky well, he's, you know, he has a lot of shenanigans going on. He basically, you know, has it where Annabeth and um, Artemis, a god, are holding up the thing. Annabeth is not a god. She's a demigod. She's, you know, as I said earlier, she's Percy's friend, the uh, daughter of Athena, who's nor and she's mortal with a god. They were holding it up together because it was going to kill Annabeth, so Artemis helped her while Atlas was, you know, kind of doing a lot of stuff it's really taking toll on annabeth and like atlas is causing trouble and so when they get there percy has to percy sees that artemis has to get in the fight and he has and if she lets go it'll kill annabeth in the state she's in so he gets both of them out and he holds the sky by himself for like a solid like minute which is insane he was 13 at this time i think he was 13 or 14 which, at this age, he was holding up the entire sky, something that a titan does and still struggles with. And it's just so crazy to see how much of a beast this kid is. And so, I mean, if you list, if you stayed to listen and you have read it, I hope kind of that persuades you to because it is such an incredible book series. I love it so much. I could gush about it for so long. 
but I'm afraid this is all the time I have today. So thank you. I want to thank everyone for listening in. Uh, this has been so much fun to have this podcast talk about what talk about a whole bunch of things. Sometimes with my friends, sometimes alone. But you know, it's all good. I have had such a good time. And again, just thank you so much for listening, for tuning into the house. And I like to see you all.